Hi, and welcome back to Living with Integrity, Creating an Abundant Life. I'm Karen Fernandez, and in today's episode, we will start to put our practice into action and lean on our tools when life shows up and tries to knock us off course. Now that we've established our foundation and started to create a personal relationship with the God of our understanding, we can start to look at our daily life as a place to advance in the spiritual realm. This will allow us to grow, expand, and obtain abundance on this physical plane. When we obtain abundance, we obtain it on multiple levels, mentally, spiritually, and physically, because the true meaning of abundance is having more than enough, so much more that our cup runneth over and spill into all areas of our life. Once we decide to show up for ourselves in ways to bring in this abundance, it will start flowing, guaranteed. But we have to do our part. That means a daily personalized routine of time alone centering and balancing ourselves, mind, body, and spirit through meditation, mental rehearsal, body movement, breath work, and prayer or conscious contact connecting directly to our source. We are, after all, mind, body, and spirit, so we need to incorporate these practices that will engage all parts of our being daily to help us flush out old, sluggish, listless energy, to bring in fresh, new vitality, power, and liveliness. As a massage therapist for over 20 years, I always tell my clients, people take better care of the maintenance on their cars than they do their own bodies, and our bodies are our vehicles for life. When we start to do these practices and routines with regularity, we become more balanced and centered in all aspects of our life. Our thinking will become clearer. We will not need to depend so much on things outside of us to help us feel calm, focused, and stable. Body movement or an exercise routine is important to establish for both physical and mental health. It should be done regularly at least three to five times a week. I enjoy exercising, but some people don't. So reframing it and calling it body movement may help to not trigger the brain to recoil away from it. Moving your body can be as simple as walking a few times a week for 30 minutes, dancing alone in your room with your favorite music turned up. Exercising and getting our heart rate elevated helps to pump more blood throughout the body. Circulation is everything. Our blood flow is the river of our life source. It's important for our circulation and our blood flow to operate properly, to bring in our nutrients, to flush out waste and toxins in our body. So drink plenty of water so you can aid in this flush and those toxins and waste don't resettle in the body. 
There are also little ways you can trick yourself into doing more body movement. Park farther away from a store entrance or take the stairs instead of an elevator or escalator. Small little things like this add up. This is a great time to reframe your thinking. Don't look at exercise as something you have to do. Think of it as something you get to do. Not everyone is healthy enough to exercise. Some people have handicaps and limitations that prevent them from exercising. They would love to have the ability to walk, run, or lift weights. And as we age and become elderly, we won't necessarily be able to exercise and do the physical activities that we can do now that we take for granted. We don't know what the future holds. But if we keep our bodies active and healthy, we won't only feel better now, physically and emotionally, but with maintaining an exercise routine, this will likely help us to retain our ability to be mobile as we age. Body movement or exercise will also boost the immune system and release endorphins, helping us to have a feeling of overall well-being. Endorphins also help to relieve pain and reduce stress. In my own life, I struggled with a few addictions to drugs, smoking, and eating. Eating was my hardest and longest addiction that I faced. I battled it for six years. I had a compulsive overeating and binge eating disorder. It was accompanied by an exercise addiction called exercise bulimia. I would literally gain 40 pounds in two months. Yes, I said 40 pounds. It would take me another two to two and a half months to exercise it off. The trauma and the havoc of gaining and losing this much weight on my body in such a short amount of time was debilitating to my health, physically and emotionally. It was a horrible, vicious cycle that I thought would never end. In my mind, because I wasn't purging, I didn't think I had an eating disorder. I would run 17 to 20 miles a day sometimes, two hours in the early morning, 90 minutes at lunchtime, and two hours in the evening. I experienced so many knee, hip, back, and feet injuries due to my constant overuse and abuse of my body. I would also self-sabotage myself right when I was at my health goals of losing the weight that I wanted. I would go on a binge that would sometimes last for days. I couldn't control myself. I had no compassion for myself, but I had compassion for others with weight issues. I hated myself, and I thought I was weak. I would have such high levels of anxiety after a binge, it would take me days to feel normal again. I would struggle to go back to the gym when I used to love to work out. I would drive 20 minutes to my gym only to be frozen in my car in the parking lot. I couldn't make myself go inside. I would drive home feeling defeated and like a complete failure at life. I struggled for years with anxiety and depression, so I get how hard it can be to motivate yourself to exercise. Take it one step and one day at a time. Small hinges 
swing big doors. Even starting your practice with meditation, mental rehearsal, journaling, and praying or talking to God privately alone is a great start. Ask God for help. God is listening. God knows everything we are going through. But tell God your struggles, needs, and desires because it's a healing process for us to do that. And it works. Praying to the Spirit for our needs and telling our concerns and our worries to our higher power is healing. Just to get these thoughts and raw emotions out of us is so transformative and therapeutic. Praying for ourselves is necessary. We can help others if we are giving from an empty cup. I thank God for helping me overcome that horrible addiction. I would count every calorie in my head every day, multiple times a day. I had social anxieties because of my weight gain. I wouldn't go to social gatherings or cancel at the last minute with friends. I didn't take photos of myself or with anyone for six years. I wore black, oversized t-shirts and stretch pants. I tried every diet gimmick and diet pill on the market. Food was my enemy. I feared it, but it also consumed my every thought daily. It was ruining my life. It's crazy to think about how much food had a hold over me because I always loved food as a child. I had no weight issues then or even in my teens and early 20s. I still love food and consider myself a foodie. I love to eat and I have a very healthy appetite. And anyone that knows me knows how much I can still eat. I love to talk about food with people and asking them about the meals they had. And I always tend to be drawn to people's food posts. Food is delicious. The difference in my life now is through my practice and routine, I developed a healthy balance. And with my relationship with God as my anchor and my cornerstone, I can still enjoy and love many things about food, but I'm not obsessed over it or at war with it. It doesn't consume my thoughts like it did those six long years. Food has its proper place in my life. And I realize those hungers that I was stuffing with food were my spiritual and creative hungers that I've been able to satisfy and fill through these practices and through developing a deeper relationship with myself and closer union with God. Food is such a big part of societal norms. We eat together at gatherings, whether they are happy and joyous, like weddings and birthdays, or sad and somber, such as a repast after a funeral. No matter what we do with others, food is usually involved. At least with drugs and alcohol, if you don't pick up, the compulsion goes away. We can't do that with food. We have to eat multiple times a day. When I was struggling with my eating disorder, there would be days I would do good all day long, only to binge at night. I also struggled with a nighttime eating disorder where I would wake up in the middle of the night and eat whole meals. The following day after an episode, I would wake up and be horrified at what I ate. 
My disorder took years for me to overcome. And now I can look back with compassion at the young woman I was. Having my addictions and struggles helped me to grow in empathy towards myself and others. It helped me grow interiorly in patience, fortitude, perseverance, courage, and strength. We can always find a positive if we are open and willing to look for one through the adversities that come to us in our lives. Developing and sticking to a routine was a huge factor for me breaking these cycles because there was definitely days I didn't want to show up for myself. But in time and little by little, these new habits we are creating through our practice and routine are helping us to rewire our brain waves. The chemicals our body is starting to produce is helping to elevate us out of these lower vibrational frequencies of fear, stress, anxiety, defeat, and depression. As we move forward in our daily routine, life will start to try and test us to see how far we truly are advancing. The best way to see the results are in our interactions with others. Our daily interactions with people make a difference in our life in how and what will start coming to us in our lives. Remember, what we put out in this life comes back to us. It matters how we treat others. Are we being flexible, friendly, kind, considerate, helpful, and open? Or are we being moody, impatient, irritable, demanding, fixed, or rigid in our ways? Being nice and courteous to others will help us achieve harmony, balance, and abundance in our own lives. It helps to elevate our temperament to one that will be open to receive good things in life. I am not only referring to being good to those whom you like and get along with. There is no recompense in doing that. Anyone could be nice to those they like. I am talking about the people we don't like, that we have to deal with on a regular basis, at work, our coworkers, boss, at school, teachers, and other students, and the people we meet in our daily interactions during our day. These are our real challenges and a great way and opportunity to test ourselves. Driving, I like to call this the low-hanging fruit game. When someone cuts us off, or is driving so slow, well under the speed limit, and we are already late or in a hurry, do we lose it, give our power away, and flip out? Do we allow this to put us in a bad mood the rest of the car ride, or worse, the whole morning, or the whole day? How about when you give someone a break and let them in, but they don't acknowledge you? Do you feel angry, entitled for that thank you? Do you feel like people are ungrateful and you shouldn't have done that for that person? Or when someone flips us off or leans on their horn the second the light turns green? I know, I've been there. I've seen and felt my mood change in a matter of seconds. It doesn't feel good to see how easily our emotions can be disturbed 
by such trivial things. In recent years, we have seen how violent and deadly road rage has become in our country. When people have been so enraged that they have a complete break from reality, thinking that it is a right and reasonable response to physically attack another person or that person's vehicle, and they feel justified in that moment doing so. I've even seen on the news in the past year or so, I can't remember exactly when, because I make it a point not to watch TV news anymore. It was a story about a person who was holding the door open for someone at a store, and when they didn't say thank you or acknowledge them, they assaulted that person. It's almost unbelievable the way the social etiquette and the norms of societal behaviors amongst people have been reduced to almost non-existent. Not always and everywhere, but more and more today, we seem to have lost a lot of our common courtesy and charity to one another. Our hearts have been hardened. Why is this happening? I think it's important we view this with compassionate eyes rather than harsh, critical judgment. Because I think Albert Einstein said it best when he said, we cannot solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. In other words, being irate, critical, nasty, and judgmental about a person and their poor behaviors doesn't solve the problem, bring in a solution, or lift us to a higher state of consciousness. On the contrary, it just adds to the toxic, negative environment for the collective. Our mindsets have somehow and somewhat become black and white in its thinking, viewing things and people as either all good or all bad, an us versus them mentality, right versus left, good versus evil. We have to be willing to let all of that go. When we act this way, it only hurts us as a collective. When we make someone right and someone wrong, no one wins. It only furthers to divide people into taking sides and putting up walls instead of having true, authentic communication. Our government is a prime example. There is a constant combativeness within our political parties. Who wins? No one. Who loses? We all do. Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. Rumi. I tend to agree with Rumi on this. We can't change others, but we can change ourselves. And that will have an effect that will ripple out into the collective. I remember a commercial from the late 90s when I actually watched TV. I think it was some type of insurance ad. It showed a city setting with a good Samaritan helping a stranger. In the distance, it showed someone witnessing the act of charity. And they went off and did the same. And it kept showing that ripple effect of the next person paying it forward, and the good kept spreading. Energy is contagious. It can be felt and transferred. Haven't you ever walked into a room where someone was yelling or a loud argument just took place? 
You can feel that tension. It's almost palpable. Same holds true when you enter a party or a celebration where people are laughing and having a good time. You almost can't help yourself from smiling and feeling those elevated emotions as well. We are made up of energy, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Energy has a force. It is felt and transferred. Let's start to be intentional with our energy in a positive way. It won't be easy at first, so we have to stay alert and be mindful of it and of what we are doing. Make a game out of it. Lighten up and have fun. When you get into your car, see if you can be a witness of instead of reacting to your driving experience. Work in tandem with the universe. Ask for help before you drive and see what happens. Pull in gratitude for having a car and the healthy ability to drive it. Let someone in that is driving, and if they don't acknowledge you, be happier. You just hit the jackpot. Remember, God is never outdone in generosity. When I was a small child, I remember my dad let someone go in front of him in their car driving, and they didn't wave. I said to him, they didn't thank you. He said, that's okay. Maybe they needed to pull out fast, or they were paying attention to the road, or they have a lot on their mind. He also said, God saw, and that's all that matters. God witnesses all our interactions. God knows all our personal thoughts. We can't hide anything from God. We may be able to put on airs with each other, but God knows all. God is not judging us on our thoughts. It just is what it is. God is connected to our conscious mind. All our thoughts are easily seen and understood by our loving creator. So even when people may misunderstand us or misinterpret what we said, God knows, and that's all that matters. It's such a relief to me that I don't have to explain myself or my side of the story to God. God knows everything even when I'm wrong. God knows why we do the things we do. God knows our motives and our intentions. It's so comforting to know this, that I just have to raise my thoughts to God and God already understands. God understands us better than we understand ourselves. When we work on letting these daily annoyances of driving and traffic, and as we learn to become a little less impatient and more courteous to the people that we'd rather not have to deal with at all. These are great ways to advance to higher levels in the game of life, and they deepen our state of consciousness and our level of peace. So, the people that annoy us the most in life that we can't get away from can actually become our biggest gifts for helping us elevate to create for ourselves deeper intuition, a better state of consciousness, and ultimately, a life of abundance. We don't have to be friends with everyone in this life, and we won't be. Not everyone is going to like us or appreciate us. It's not a requirement in life. There are going to be some people we really don't like that we have to deal with. Instead of letting it make us miserable, 
we can choose to look past them and see the Christ, the God figure, within them. We can view it as a test, a game, or as God inside a wounded person, and we can be compassionate and kind to them because we understand that we have had our own pain and wounds, and we aren't perfect either. Or we can be kind and considerate of them because we love God and all that God has done for us, and we know that God loves this person, and why should we let them bring us down to their energetic field of negativity? Maybe they never had a good mirror of unconditional love, and us being kind may help them feel some love. This doesn't mean we have to be a doormat for someone, or we need to stay in an abusive relationship and be manipulated, or have someone gaslight us. As we advance in this game of life, our level of discernment will grow, as well as our intuition and gut wisdom. We will begin to understand many things that we once weren't able to comprehend. That's because we are growing spiritually. Using our tools of mental rehearsal, meditation, body movement, and breath work, these will help us when these situations come at us because we will feel this uncomfortable energy coming at us. If someone is overstepping boundaries or is blatantly being aggressive, lying, or rude, leaning on these practices will help us expel that built-up negativity that is being hurled at us, but in a positive way. Instead of holding it in or lashing back out or overeating or using something to numb us, these things will hold us down and take our power away. We begin to own our power and see the choices we really do have. We don't have to keep giving our power away and letting traffic piss us off all day long or letting a grumpy coworker or a boss put us in a bad mood five days a week or making us feel such high levels of anxiety that we can't sleep at night, that we can't even enjoy our Sunday afternoons and Sunday evening? Forget it. We're stressing about Monday already. Pulling in gratitude and humility will make this task not only possible, but it will make it easier. It's time we let go of the old beliefs of needing to be right, proving our point, holding on to a grudge or hurt someone did to us when we ourselves have hurt others in the past. Who and what does this serve? And how does it help the quality of our lives? Forgiveness is the next step in this journey to freedom and self-actualization. Our real potential is limitless when we overcome these blockages. Forgiveness is huge. It frees us from holding on to the past and from the shackles that hatred will start to create from a place of unforgiveness. We first need to forgive ourselves for any mistakes, missed opportunities, hurts we've caused to ourselves or others. We've all made mistakes. Some are small, others can be huge, but we have to try to forgive ourselves. We may need to seek out a therapist or a spiritual director 
if we become stuck in doing this. Then we have to forgive others, all people who we feel hurt us, no matter how big or small the slight may feel. I suggest doing a writing ritual. Write their names and write the offenses you or they have portrayed. Remember the event and make the choice to let it go. You can burn the paper, rip it up, or bury it in your yard. Whatever you feel like doing to make this ritual sealed and complete, tell them that you forgive them. You don't have to tell them physically. You can do it out loud alone or in your mind's eye. Visualize it. Ask God to help you if the hurt is extreme. Keep forgiving anytime the resentment comes back up in your mind. It doesn't mean that you didn't forgive them the first time. The wound may be layered deep and requires you to keep surrendering and bringing forgiveness to the situation. This is extremely healing for us as individuals. It is cutting the cords of the invisible attachments to this person. You will gradually feel better, lighter, freer. You can do a ceremonial dance and shake that person right out of your body and mind. Have a good cry if you need to. But ultimately, let the pain and the person go. Don't say, I forgive, but I won't forget. That saying is an oxymoron. If we forgive, we should forget. Because if we don't forget, we don't forgive. Somewhere inside of us, we're still holding on to it. Believe me, you won't let it happen again. Don't let people or circumstances rent free space in your mind. They aren't worth it and blocking you from having the life you deserve. Forgiveness is not giving someone a pass for their poor behaviors. It's freeing us to move forward without having to be trapped in an event that is no longer taking place. We all have hurt people and been hurt by people in our lives. Sometimes we do it unintentionally. We make mistakes and are careless with our words and actions. Other times, we as people can be more intentional with our hurts because we may be acting out of selfishness, immaturity, or greed. These people may justify in their head that they are doing what they have to and need to do to get ahead in this life, regardless of who may get hurt or stepped on in the process. And then, of course, there are some individuals who make it a point to deliberately set out and hurt others for their own personal gain. It is the sick and maladaptive way that they function in life. Whatever the reason may be, for any of the hurts, that we as humans accumulate along the way. Forgiveness helps to soften the rocky stony parts of our hearts that have been hardened by difficult and painful life experiences. It's the only way to let the true source of divinity to dwell fully in our hearts as a temple of the Most High. We have to have a forgiving spirit Forgiveness is the key to opening our hearts to the beauty of life for ourselves. 
life then becomes extraordinary. The freedom and detachment from the past, old hurts and losses do not have a hold on us any longer through forgiveness, gratitude, and humility, along with our routine and daily practice, and developing that personal friendship with our loving creator, using our body, breath, and mind to keep us flowing in the river of life, which will keep us from getting stuck or trapped by ourselves or others. Life then takes on a whole new meaning and deeper level of fun. When I went to Dubai in 2021, I was blessed to be able to attend the World's Expo. I didn't even know it was going to be there when I went. It was supposed to be there in 2020, but was postponed due to the pandemic. People fly from all over the world to attend these expos. They happen every five years, dating back to 1851. It is where countries come together to show off and celebrate their innovations, achievements, and to showcase their beautiful heritage and to get people to come visit. It was amazing to see so many different cultures. There was 193 countries represented. I didn't get to see them all, but I did get to see Rwanda. And to my surprise, Rwanda didn't only survive the 1994 genocide, but like a phoenix that rose from the ashes, Rwanda thrived beyond many people's expectations. Rwanda is now ranked sixth safest country globally in the world for solo travelers. Rwanda's parliament has a 61% woman-led majority, more than any other country in the world. Rwanda has a massive 30% of total land reforestation and conservation. It is becoming a hub for IT and tech industries in East Africa. 90% of Rwanda's population is enrolled in national health programs, reducing the maternal mortality rate faster than any other developing country. Children are entitled to 12 years of free education and nearly 100% of children are enrolled in school countrywide. They have strong economic growth in 2006, they introduced the One Cow Per Poor Family program to fight child malnutrition and to give a source of income to a poor household. And since 2008, they have had a national ban on plastic bags, making them one of the first countries to say no thank you to plastic. Why am I telling you all this? Because this all came about because of the power of forgiveness. After the genocide of 1994, they were a broken people, almost one million slaughtered by machetes. It was an unthinkable act. But in order to move forward, they realized they had to make a choice to forgive. So they got together as a nation, a country, a people, and did just that. They looked each other in the eyes and forgave and asked for forgiveness. And they vowed 
never to be separated again as a people. The power of forgiveness should never be underestimated. It has the capacity to make huge miracles happen. Rwanda is a living testimony to this because through forgiveness, true positive change can happen. When we work in tandem with our creator, we will experience this. All things are possible with God. Grace is not something we can earn. It's freely given. It is through grace that God works effective change in our hearts and lives. Grace gives us inspiration to act. Grace gives us the desire and drive to move forward. Tune in next week when we will talk about reflection, contemplation, and healthy self-love. We will also start to contemplate and meditate on what heaven will be like for us and for our loved ones who have passed on as we continue our journey of feeding our souls and deepening our relationship with ourselves and our Creator. If you are looking for a more personalized one-on-one experience, contact me at coachingwithkaren.com where I will assist you on a 90-day program giving you the action steps and tools that are scientifically proven to work. I will be there every step of the way to give you support, motivation, encouragement, and to help keep you accountable. Sessions are virtual or can be done in person where available. The link to the website is located in the episode description. Thank you for listening.